You're listening to Rowan Radio On Demand. Download more podcasts at rowanradio.com. The following program does not represent the views or opinions of the staff or administration of Rowan University or Rowan Radio. 89.7 WGLS-FM. Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM presents Stand with Candace Kelly. This show takes a look at social justice issues impacting society. Here's your host, Rowan University professor Candace Kelly. Today on Stand, we're speaking with Asado Shitu, founder of Amua Lux, a wellness program designed to help women find their shine when the world makes them feel small and tells them to stay in their lane. We're learning more about her work with a focus on her Redefining Yourself series, something we all do whether we know about it or not. And so she's here to share more about her practice and her formula to live a life that is unrestrained. Asado, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Candice, for having me. Absolutely. Now, I know that with within your program, within Amuba Lux, you've described what you do as enabling Black women specifically to live the life that they're allowed to live, even when the world tells them otherwise. How would you explain what you are trying to do by someone who may not understand or connect with that sentiment? Yes, absolutely. So I think it's important that we spend a little bit of time looking at the meaning um, behind Omuwa Lux. Uh, so Omuwa is the name of both my mother um, and the middle name of my daughter. And in my language, the Edo language, and the Edo are people from Nigeria, it means a child of riches and blessings. And so together with the word Lux, meaning luxury, uh, it means a child of riches and blessings that deserves to live well. Now, oftentimes when we think about the word luxury, right, what are we thinking about? People sipping champagne on a yacht. Mm-hmm. And I say, I, I, I reject that idea, uh, particularly as it relates to the black woman. Living well is being in a space in which you get to be you without sanction or censure. And then also knowing that you deserve to live well, right? Mm. And so why is this? of particular importance to Black women, the trainings that we receive from the time that we are small children to the time that we grow into adulthood and training, particularly this training that's related to this highly educated, in quotation marks, super successful Black woman, Mm -hmm. we are trained to fit inside a particular box that when we, when we, sort of stretch ourselves outside of that box, we are faced with sanction and censure, right? Mm. And so it is almost a, um, a Pavlovian response to restrict ourselves, to stay in that box in order to avoid sanction or censure because we are ultimately rewarded when we don't live well. We are rewarded when we, when we serve ourselves last. And so, but I say, Black woman, you deserve to live Wow. So give us an example. And you said, you know, growing up, we get these messages and I'll throw myself in there, too, so that when you say we, I do understand. But for people who are listening, we get these messages about what in terms of the black women, black woman and what a black woman is supposed to be and her place in society. What would you say is one of the themes that we are taught, whether we know it or not? Yes. Um, So some of the things that we are taught are obedience. 
right? Um, not to, uh, we, we, no one wants to fit into the, the, the stereotype of that angry black woman, right? And when are we categorized as being that angry black woman? Anytime we speak up, right? Um, and so we're oftentimes rewarded for being small or making ourselves smaller, dimming our lights, not speaking up for that fear of our rewards being taken away. Right. Mm -hmm. So when the black woman uh, decides that she's no longer going to participate or play in an environment in which she's unable to be her, she's unable to utilize her voice, she will be faced with sanction or censure. Right. And so when I say I rebuke that, I reject that it's important that we have the capacity to feel like we can be ourselves regardless of the punishment. Right. Mm-hmm. I would say if, if everyone loves you, you're doing it wrong. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> but unfortunately, because the training to be considered as a good black person in America means by playing by the rules of they incorporated. Right. And so those are all those external sources, both professionally, personally, in, in which um, uh, people tell us, oh, good job. People reward us for for not speaking up, for not bringing our whole self to the table um, because there's such a pervasive image of the Black woman being a very particular way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we try our best. And look, uh, and I get it because I too was incredibly rewarded for staying small, for dimming my light, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I've checked all the boxes, right? Lawyer, multiple degrees, marriage, you know, A-plus students, don't question authority. Um, I'm the black person. You want to bring home the dinner and be part of your club. You know what I mean? Yes, he's coming for dinner. Have you been the only black friend, Candace? I have. I have. I've been been the only black friend, and I'm friends with many black women who express the same sentiment that you're saying in that, you know, the world does tell you that you have limits on what you can do, whether it's how you look or the shape of your body or your hair or saying that you speak well or really being the L1L, what I call the one and only in some space where, you know, you represent so many people by you just being singularly in a a workspace that you didn't realize you were just going to be kind of a ghost of a person um, or represent the masses. And it is, it is a lot of work. It is a lot of work. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. I mean, it takes a lot of energy and it is a depletion of oneself because you're putting all your energy outward, right, to be pleasing to other people. And so the purpose of the Black Liberation Formula, which is a course offering of Omuwalog, is to tell the Black you don't have to do that anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but that unconditioning of that, that mindset that, again, we have been trained and again, rewarded. And I don't want to poo poo the rewards because the rewards are really real. Right. So you're talking about um, financial rewards and the current types of jobs that you're able to get and receive when we constrict ourselves based on all the requirements that the outside world puts on us, particularly puts on us as being black women, right? So these rewards are real, real. We're Mm -hmm. talking jobs. We're talking social currency in our relationships based on uh, the type of work that we do, the the places that we live, how we speak, how we dress, how we wear our hair. These are real rewards. And so if someone's saying, don't do that anymore, right? Because what I'm saying is, yourself who would you be right if you were not 
shaping yourself. And you know the word that I used that I had trademarked, prestling yourself mm-hmm. to fit into these other modes that are not you. These are just the things that you've been rewarded for. So who is the real you? So, so when, many of us are walking around. We don't even know who that is. When women come to you, and I, and I know that on your website, you have a free masterclass that you offer to women. How would you describe the person that comes to you and says, I need help? Can you give us an example of the circumstances of a woman that you've worked with recently who you've helped through um, this journey? Yeah. And so I think a great example, um, we've just finished my uh, first cohort of the Black Women Liberation Formula. Um, and I, to give you sort of a general idea of who that, that, that avatar is, I had one woman saying, um, and the, the, the person, the, the avatar is someone in sort of their early 40s, right? Um, and they literally have done every single thing right, right? And so I'm saying every single thing right degrees they got them and they got multiple of them right mm-hmm. right, <laughs> they got right. A master's and a phd and a law degree and a, and a degree in pilotry right they fly planes too right so they have that um they're doing what they're supposed to do in the workplace they're doing what they're supposed to do in their relationship and they're looking around questioning why isn't my life vip right now mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. Yeah, right so like because I've done everything I was supposed to do. So you're sitting there questioning yourself, which did I miss a step? Especially when we compare our, did I miss a step? And you know you went to auto classes, right? You, you, <laughs> right. Front row. Front row. Take a note. You, you have your, your, your recorder. So you're asking yourself, particularly when you start to compare yourself to your mate. Um, your white female counterparts, your white male counterparts, and heck, sometimes even your black male counterparts. And you're just like, what is happening right now? Mm-hmm. I've done everything correct. And it's hard. The math does not add up when you consider all of the work that you have put in to get to where you are. Mm. Right? Yes. Um, and so that this is when we start to be reflective. So some folks don't get reflective at that point, Right. Some mm-hmm. folks just accept, well, I guess this is just the way it is supposed to be, right? And so then we continue to trudge along. There's another group of folks that are like, wait a minute, something is not right. And that is the moment. That is the moment we can sit and be reflective and make a determination, particularly when you're in your early 40s. Am I going to go this way or am I going to go that way in terms of finding what speaks to you? Mm-hmm. That is not based on external reward and validation. So that self doing that type of work, that self reflection. Oh no, no! But the self reflection that you lead a woman down the path of doing, what does that involve? How do you kind of change and, um, you know, I, I mentioned at the top of the show that you have a, a redefining yourself series. How do you get someone to see themselves in a new light? Yeah, so we examine our past, our present, and shape our new futures using grounding books, right? So we look at the works of Bell Hooks and Audrey Lord, and these are women that were writing these works in like 40 years ago. So it's what's eye popping to me is they are saying the same exact things about the status of Black women in. Uh, particularly in these corporate settings, these professional settings, that it's not set up for us to be successful, right? Um, when we consider 
the status of black women in America, I mean, we, if we wanted to talk about slavery, this is, that's a couple different segments, Candace, right? Mm-hmm. But if we look, we look at the status of black women in America, our, our positioning has always been that of donkey, mule, want to take abuse, to be quiet about it and keep on moving, right? I always say if there's a black woman, all black women in the world didn't show up for it, Everything was shut down, right? And mm-hmm. we can consider black women in every aspect of the workforce, right? From the water fetcher to the social worker to the admin to the bus driver, right? If we ain't showing up, it ain't gonna work, right? Right. So with that being said, because we don't hold ourselves in that regard, we don't see the extent of our power because again, the repeated messages that we see throughout is that we are nothing. That is what we internalize, right? So by looking at these these um, these earlier works by Black women writers, and that's when that's when I'm saying early. We're talking 40 years ago. Black women have been writing about this uh, since the 1800s, right? Right. And, and and we say take it, take the case, take the case that those spaces are not set up for us. Create your own space, right? Um, but in order to acknowledge and accept, right, that we have been trained and conditioned to believe that there's only one specific box for us, right, we we also have to be reflective about our own path, right? Mm. Um, so the Black Woman Liberation Formula is broken up into three time segments, right? We look at our past, what helps shape our praxeline, what familial structures, um, what uh, societal pressures, what cultural norms mm. fed that point of view, right? So my life is peppered with Nigerianism, I will call them, right? Right, right. Um, those are your that, cultural norms, right? You bring them to the those table. Those are my cultural norms that I'm bringing to the table. I'm bringing immigrant norms. I'm bringing black women norms. I'm bringing Brooklyn norms. I'm bringing school <laughs> norms, right? right? Right, All of that, that colors my worldview to where I am today, right? So what did all of that mean for me? I wasn't, I was, I still am an overachieving Nigerian that has been trained to be a people-pleasing, do-good um, African girl, right? And so I have to, my intentional work is always sort of not working against that, but working with that when I do make my decision-making, right? So, so, so Sada, am I doing this because I think this is going to look good to the public? Is this something my parents will brag about when they're at their uh, Beanie Club meeting with all their fellow Nigerian friends? Or is this something I really want to do, mm, right? Right. And so, right? And so you talked about the redefining theories, right? When I'm saying redefine success, redefine pleasure, redefine uh, settling, redefine messy, right? It's, redefining for yourself we've all, we've been trained and taught what we are supposed to think again I, I know my messaging can touch all women but i focus particularly on black women because number one that's what i am right i you know it sounds like you know at, at the top of the show you talked about luxury and a lot of people looking at luxury as wine and yachts and you know vacation mm-hmm. which you know that's one person's definition, but it sounds like the luxury that you're talking about is kind of having the freedom to think and be who you want to be with just limitless power, with kind of maybe just not even looking at the what the world says at all. Let's start from scratch. Mm-hmm. Girl, you hit it right on the head. Living well to me is, number one, first knowing you deserve to live well, right? 
And then living well really ultimately means living a life of peace. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, again, as black women, many of us have co-signed, have co-signed on, I don't like to use the word abuse, right? Um, or like, a, a, or sorry, I don't like to use the word toxic, right? Toxic relationships, toxic workplaces. It loses its meaning because everything's toxic now. It's like, oh, the, yo, your groceries are toxic. Everything is toxic these days, right? Um, I, we have co-signed on non-peaceful living, right? And so, you know, you, you leave your home, you go to your workplace, it's not peaceful. You go to the grocery store, it's not peaceful, right? You come back into your home, it's not peaceful, right? Because we've co-signed, we've resigned ourselves to people, places, and relationships. Because again, again, so what I said before, we are rewarded for staying in those things. And we know that the times that when we reject them, when we say no more, we are punished for that. And that punishment could be a, a myriad of things, right? So take it in the workplace, for example. You start speaking up at your job saying, well, that doesn't sound correct or that's really inappropriate or you're not going to treat me that way. What starts to happen? All of a sudden you get iced out of meetings, mm. right? All of a sudden you're not a good person to work with. You're not a team player. You're just like, well, all I just said was, I just, I just made a statement. But we know that there's a level of grace that's not granted to the black woman that's granted to others. And so when I say, be who you are, unpretzel and stand up straight, regardless of the punishment. You have to be willing to be you, mm-hmm. right? right? So there is an unwillingness of many of us to be us, right? Mm-hmm. Because we know what the implications of being us means. And again, the consequences are really real, right? So again, take, keep it to the professional setting. So you start speaking up. There's a risk. You might lose your job. Right. That's so you have real. to weigh. Exactly. And that, that's just such a painful place for the Black woman to be. Again, a standard many others are not held to, right? And so it's taken me a little while to get to that point, right? Because I'm punish me all day. Mm. I haven't told any lies yet. I only speak my truth, right? It's not everybody's truth, but this is my truth. And I know when I'm walking the way that I'm supposed to walk, when my light is shining, guess what? I give other black women permission to do the same. And if I've done that for one black woman, I've done my job. I'm good. Now, you know, we're about to go to break, but we do have 20 seconds. I wanted to know what was the tipping point for you where you came into all of these realizations and said, you know what? I'm done with that particular way of living life. I'm going to live a more, a little more freely. Was there an event or a time or a job that propelled you into this space? It's a series of transitions. Um, Candace and I said been on this journey for the last seven years or so. Say so the first big major one was the destruction of my marriage, right? Because again, I had checked all the boxes, girl, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I married a fellow countryman. I married a man about his business, right? Um, and then that fell apart. And I said, what? What to me? Don't right. lie to me, right? Because <laughs> it didn't add up. Right, it didn't add up. Didn't make sense. Probably still doesn't make sense. But you've still, been able... Still didn't make sense. Right, but you've been able to get through it to get to the other side. Get through it to the other side. So that's on the personal side. But then there's also been professional... Um, on the professional side as well, um, as particularly as I rose up the ranks, sort of the 
the, I don't want to call it vitriol because that's a strong word, but um, the interactions, the butting of heads that I would have with my colleagues, um, particularly in spaces when I'm holding a high legal position, right? Mm-hmm. So you brought me in as an attorney. So I'm, the way I'm going to present information is as an attorney, sort of the questions that are raised, the, the arguments that are had. And so I recognize it's because it's Osado giving that information, mm. Osado black woman giving that information. And so that was a tough pill to swallow because again, somebody lied to me because they said, be a good lawyer, be the best, know your stuff and you will succeed. That was not the case. That was not the case. Well, Asado, when we come back, we're going to take a look at some headlines and a few people in the middle of redefining and freeing themselves from black female CEOs increasing their company's stock prices to former MSNBC host Tiffany Cross at a crossfire. Stay with us. And we are back with Asado Shitu. She is the founder of Amua Lux. Beautiful name. Um, And we're talking about women and wellness, black women specifically, and getting what they want. I certainly wanted to get to some headlines that have to do with this idea of redefining yourself, which is what we've been talking about. Specifically, there's been a study, a recent study that came out uh, from the Stevens Institute and University of Georgia that, that talks about how companies stock is increased, especially when a black woman steps up to the table and is a CEO, which I think is amazing when it comes to redefining oneself. But I'm not surprised, of course, to find out that, as we were talking about before the break, that people know that when black female CEOs take the helm, that they are la creme de la creme. They've got more education. They have been vetted all of their lives. And so that's really what it translates into. And that's exactly what we're talking about today, Asado. Girlfriend, I mean, first of all, none of this should be a shocker to anybody, right? And so when I first read that article, um, you know, I was just like, well, duh. I mean, because we all, <laughs> I'm like, this is news, people. But, right, right. You know, my, my, but my reaction too was like, well, it's nice to see it in writing, mm-hmm. right? Um, because we know what we had to do to get to where we are. So, I mean, Candace, how many graduate degrees you got? How many? <laughs> I've no, got, for real. I've got, I've got three degrees. I got a Juris Doctorate degree. I've got a Master's of Science degree. I do have my BA degree. I've got certifications. I, I could go on. Oh, you could go on. Okay, I'm gonna just give you my top three, right? So okay. I do have. I got, I got my bachelor's in biological anthropology, right? I have a master's in public health. And I have my JD, I have my law degree, right? So we already know what we have to do to sit in the spaces that we sit at, right? Mm-hmm. And so what this article says is by the time Black folks get to the CEO seat, they have already done double and triple, quadruple the work to get to where their white counterparts, you know, uh, what it would take for that white counterpart to get to, right? And many of us have multiple upon multiple of degrees. So again, lovely to see it in writing, but my first uh, uh, like gut feeling when I read it, I'm like, damn, we must be tired. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I just got, I got exhausted thinking about it, right? So think about it. So that black person has done all the performative theatrics that they have to do to even like be considered for that position. And you know what I'm talking about, Candace. You have to present yourself in a certain way, mm-hmm. right? To to 
even be considered, right? So to sit in that role. And so that in itself is work, right? Because it, it's work. So you got work you and then you got home you, right? Yeah. Um, that is exhausting. And then when I think about the energy that we put in to get there, so think about all of that extra schooling. So all that time you are in school, you not you can't make real money. Right, right. right. So, so you're, you're our, slightly behind. You're behind, right? Financially, right? And then also you may be, be behind personally in terms of, you know, whatever your personal goals are in terms of marriage or children or, I don't know, investing in real estate, right? Um, and so that the exhaustion is what was eye-popping to me. Exhaustion. Mm. Mm. To get to those places right and, which is and the, ex- you- the exhausting that we've been talking about and that that's yeah. what we typically put ourselves through no matter what level i mean i was having this conversation with a, another woman recently black mom also a lawyer she also has a, a master's of public health been practicing for quite some time right um and wants to do some other work abroad right and she says well i'm just gonna go get this master i said hold on hold on Why do you feel what you mean? You are so well-versed in this field. Like, so well-versed. You already have two graduate degrees. You've been practicing practicing law for over 20. And you feel like you need to get out of it. It doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm, It doesn't mm -hmm. make sense. Mm -hmm. But this this Uh, is what the world tells us. It is. It is. And, you know, speaking in terms of what the world tells us, the world told Tiffany Cross a lot of things. And for people who aren't familiar with Tiffany Cross, she was a weekend anchor on MSNBC and she was, you know, brought on board because she represented a black voice. She had high ratings. And there was a series of events that just did not enable her to get that contract renewed. Part of it was Tucker Carlson. Many have said kind of, um, uh, building up some of what she said and, 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 and really going in on her, calling her a racist. And I was wondering, what were your thoughts about that? Because someone with high ratings who, again, followed all the rules, found herself canned at the end of the day. It, this, what, are, what did I just say before we went to break, right? It, so she was willing to be who she was regardless of the punishment. Here the punishment was, you lost your job. Mm. There is, there, there is, a grace that is not granted to the black woman that is granted to other people. Right. Mm-hmm. And so some of the things she, for me, I mean, to me, these were very tempered things that she said. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we, when we consider things, some of our, uh, our elected officials say, right. We could, we could take it even to Donald Trump and some of his horrible misogynistic things he said before he was elected. Right. But we still elected him. He gets a pass, right? He made jokes about disabled people. He made really race culture supporting comments about women. So we all should be horrified. That grace, a black woman is not granted that grace. So we have to be cautious when we do utter certain words in certain settings for risk of that punishment, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, but I say that you have to continue you speaking your truth, using your voice, speaking truth to power, right? And being authentic, right? right. Um, but again, many of the things that folks are referencing in terms of Miss Cross and what she said, they're very temporary. 
incredibly right. temperate. They really are. And, you know, I'm a firm believer in the First Amendment. And the First Amendment has been on trial, especially for in the most recent years. Um, and, and we see a lot of this play out. But it, it seems to me that a lot of what she was doing was what any other host was doing, whether it's hyperbole or making jokes or being the opinionated host that she's supposed to do. She doesn't hold herself out to be, you know, news that you are supposed to follow. She has an opinion talk show. So her opinion matters. And but something happened. Well, like you said, someone said it, it matters for these other hosts. But for you, a little more tempered. We're going to look at you in a different way. Well, you yeah. know, Asado, before we leave, I want to make sure that people know how they can reach out to you. What is your website and what's the process for for getting involved in your program? Yes. Um, so my website is omuwaluck.com. And so that's O-M-U-W-A, Lux, L-U-X-E, dot com. All right. Well, Asado, it was a pleasure speaking with you. We covered so many topics, but most of all, I just want to thank you for sharing with us what you're doing to help other people and give them a formula for life that is, as you said, unrestrained. Asado Shito, founder of Amoa Lux, thank you so much for being with us and sharing with us how you are helping other black women in this world. You've been listening to Stand with Candace Kelly. Please join us Saturday morning at 8.30 for another episode on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM and by searching for Rowan Radio on your favorite podcasting platform.